I want you to fathom a time when there was no, literally it felt like there was no hope in the world. People were trying to find God and God's holy. Everybody say holy. I thought about this. I was praying this morning. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, man, I, I have no hope at all in being able to enter into the presence of a holy God if had it not been for Jesus. Think about it. In the Old Testament, you, you see God's holiness and how things were set up, and it was like, man, when you read the Old Testament, you always go, oh, thank God I didn't live then. Because, you know, I'd have probably, been, I mean, you know, if you back talk your parents, they took you out and stoned you. Hey, that's serious stuff. I'm, I'm serious, man. It was, it was like if you picked up sticks on the Sabbath day, you were, but you also have to, you, you think, well, why, why would it seem like God was being so hard? It really wasn't that God was hard. The world had just gotten into a mess. I mean, people were sacrificing their own children as offerings to all sorts of gods that they've made up in their mind. And, and it, was, it, had, it was spinning out of control. And so in the midst of that, it would be, you know, you're talking about living in a state of depression, man, uh, about not, you know, being fearful and, and afraid and wondering how in the world am I ever going to make it. And then something happens. A promise has been made. But it seems like, is it ever going to come to pass? How many of you remember when you were kids and you thought summer vacation is never going to get here? You know, you, you, you spent your whole, your, your whole year thinking summer vacation is never going to get here. And then once it got there, it went by so quick. And then it was back to school again. And, and so, and then it, it came, went from that to, I'm never going to get my driver's license. Lord, don't come back until I get my driver's license. Any of you pray that way? I did. I remember praying that way. I've had my driver's license for a long time now. But I remember praying, God, don't come back until I get my driver's license. You know, I want to get my driver's license. We, we were always living in like a state of fear or a state of depression, waiting for something, but it's feeling like it's never going to get there until one day. It happens. Listen to this, Luke 1 and 42. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. When's the last time you heard something that moves you to an emotion? I, I went, now I'm talking about an emotion of joy. Think about it. She heard it, and it affected the baby inside of her. Can I tell you that we're all giving birth to something? God has put something in each and every one of us, and when we hear his word, it ought to have an impact on us. The promises of God are yea and amen. And so we need to be able to approach that with joy. Everybody say joy. But here's the question, and this is what I'm going to be preaching about this morning, is where is our joy? Say it with me, where is our joy? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, for your love. We just ask God that you'd speak to us today and give us an understanding of where our joy is at in Jesus' name. Have you ever been looking for something and couldn't find it? Guys, have you ever misplaced your keys, been looking for your keys, get into desperation, start blaming everybody else for your keys missing? Anybody ever done that in here? Anybody? Wave your hand if, you've ever, if that's ever happened. Either you blamed or were blamed. You know what I'm talking about? It was like, I remember I, was like, I, I jumped up early one morning. I was looking for my keys, you know, had to be at work and couldn't find my keys. And I told Debbie, I said, I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys. And she's going, well, I don't know where they're at. And I, I'm still looking around. She was in bed. You know, I went to work early. And I'm, I can't find my keys, can't find my keys. And she, well, I don't know where they're at. And I said, well, get up and help me look for them. Ooh. 
That's almost the last day I ever went to work. <laughs> so, so, you know, and she's saying, well, d d check your pocket. I said, I, they're not in my pocket. I got I said, my pocket. Well, the, 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 the kids must have done something with my keys. Man, I'm walking, you know, and I'm getting so frustrated. And she said, well, go look in the car. Just look. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'll look, but I know they're not in there. And I went and opened up the car door and, you know, put my leg in and went to sit down. And when I went to sit down, I felt something stick me in my pants pocket. Yeah, that's exactly. I reached in, pulled that key out, put it in the ignition, and drove off and prayed, God, let her forget this conversation. I never looked back. Thank God that was before cell phones or she'd been calling me trying to find out. Yeah, I discovered something, though, she didn't forget. She remembered when I got home. But see, when we get frustrated, when we, when we can't find something we desperately need and we're looking for it, 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 can, it, it can get us to a point of so much frustration that we actually begin to lash out at others. Now, now hear me. Because if I had known where my keys were, I'd have never had that conversation. If we today can discover where our joy is, the devil will never be able to manipulate us or depress us or push us or cause us to become hopeless ever again. It's my goal through this message to reveal to you where our joy is at. In the Old Testament, there's a time in the life of Israel where the Ark of the Covenant has been removed from the, the heart or the center of Israel it's set in obscurity for some 20 years and it, it all the time it wasn't that they didn't know where it was nobody ever went after it all the time that Saul is king he never seeks to go after the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back to the heart of Israel think about this because the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God so here's a man that decides that he's going to rule a kingdom without the presence of God in his life. Now stop and consider. How many times are we living our life on our own and not seeking the presence of God to be the center of our world? Everybody say the center. Do you know what Jesus, how God feels about us? He says that we are the apple of his eye. That phrase literally means the center. The, you, you the pupil. <laughs> you, you're, you're the, we are the center of his world. And he's saying, you need to make me the center of yours. And so they go on and, that, you know, and then David comes to the throne. And David is different than anyone else. It almost seems like David should have been in the New Testament because David doesn't fall under the old adage of the law where it's just a, a, a list of do's and don'ts and, you know, and, and don't pick up six and don't do this. No, David, David, man, is a guy that loves to praise God, that loves to worship God, that he, he literally changes the way worship happens in Israel, this guy is a worshiper. When he's speaking his last words, if you, if you study, he, he introduces himself. He, he says, the, the son of Jesse, and he talks about the sweet psalmist of Israel. <laughs> Before he ever announces that he was a king, he said, I want you to know I've been a worshiper. I, I've loved God all my life. I've worshiped him. When it came to facing giants, he said, that's no big deal, man. I've, I've, I've dealt with some stuff before. And, and what's he saying? He's saying, I'm never dealt with it alone maybe that's why he coined the phrase he said I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread he said I've been through some stuff but the stuff I've been through I've never been a they've never been able to take me out for yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil why because he's with me he's with me so the first thing that David does is he takes off to go get 
the Ark of the Covenant and bring the presence of God back to his kingdom. Did you ever, did you ever do something presumptuously? You know what I mean? Anybody in here, you know what I'm talking about? Just like maybe uh, wash your wife's cashmere sweater. Just, you know, presumptuously. Just, and then when it came out, you thought, what happened to the sweater? Because the, the baby sweater's in here, but I can't find hers. That's what happened. Jonathan's sweater. Debbie washed it. Dried it. Jonathan looked at it and she said, this is for your baby when you get married. No, she didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But that's what it looked like. I mean, man, just presumptuously, you know, we, we don't read the label. If she'd read the label, it said, do not machine dry. And so David goes after the ark of God. And even though David's a man after God's own heart, David does it presumptuously. He just assumes that since he's bringing the presence of God back home, that's what he's attempting to do, that it doesn't matter how you do it. Any of you ever work on anything electrical? It matters how you do it. I was working on electrical in our conference room. I discovered it matters how you do it. I was presumptuous. I saw a breaker in the box in the utility room that said conference room. I flipped it off. I presumed that shut off all the power in the conference room. It was the only switch I saw back there. So I came back in and got a screwdriver out. I'm working on a light switch. And, and man, I, 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 I slipped off and hit that light switch with that screwdriver. And man, do, do you understand? We don't have 110 volt here. We've got 220. Is that right? 280? It's, how is it? Somebody shout at me. 220. You ever touch 220 <laughs> with a screwdriver? Man, I hit that, and all of a sudden I'm... And Debbie's laughing. She thinks I'm playing games over there. There's another girl in the conference room looking at me, and I'm giving it this, and man, I finally got let, let go of it, and I, I, I went and got an electrician. <laughs> I won't find out. You know, I was, I was too presumptuous. David goes after the ark of God presumptuously. He forgets that there is a law... Or there, let me say it this way, there is a way to treat the presence of God. And you can't treat the presence of God like it's just something ordinary or just something, or you can't, off the cuff. And so they're bringing it back and the ark jostles and Uzzah treats the presence of God like it's something ordinary and he reached out his hand. And you, you can't just touch the presence of God any old way. And, and, and when he did, he fell dead. And David is confused. Any of you ever been confused before? Because David's intent was right, but he was doing it wrong. And so even though we can have the right intent, we may be doing it the wrong way. And so David says, the presence of God can't come to my house. And I wonder how many people you and I know, or maybe have been there ourselves, where something happened and we blamed God for it. And when we blamed God for it, we backed away from God instead of recognizing that it was the way we were approaching God that changed it. David drops the ark off at a place, at, at somebody's house. His name is Obedidim. The Ark of the Covenant sits at Obedidim's house for three months. David's living without the presence of God in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, David hears that Obadiah is being blessed beyond measure. He's got not just a camel with one hump, it's got two humps now. 
I mean, everything, everything about Obadiah is being blessed. And David realizes, he said, you know what? It was never God's intent to do me harm. And he said, he starts to look at what he did and he recognizes, I've gone about this the wrong way. So David gets excited and he goes and he gets all the Israelites together and he, they start to go after the ark of God. And the, this time the Levites are carrying it. They're not pulling it with an ox. They're carrying it on their shoulders and they take six steps and they stop and David sacrifices to the Lord and praises God and is worshiping God and all of a sudden it happens. This king gets so beside himself, he begins to experience such jubilation. He, he, he is ecstatic because the presence of God is coming home and he disrobed the royal robe that symbolized he was a king. He has on a linen cloth and the Bible said he began to dance before the Lord with all his strength. When's, anybody in here ever dance? Yeah, I, I thought about that. You know, once we got saved, we quit dancing. We just, well, well you, can't, you can't do that. That's a, he did. And he didn't just do it. He wasn't just waltzing with God either. I mean, he was dancing with all his strength. He was giving it everything he had because joy was a driving force. When you get overwhelmed with joy, it'll do something to you. Can I ask you this? How many of you danced before you got into church? Wave your hand if you ever danced before you got into church. Now, when you danced before you got into church, were you, were you just a mild-mannered dancer? Or were you the one that was up on the tabletop with a lampshade on your head? Just, you know, just, whoo! My goodness, man, I'm, I'm not even going to go. I, I mean, I thought I was the disco duck. But, I, I, you know, I, I remember showing up at places, you know, and I'm thinking, I, I think about it now, and I think, man, I can't believe I did that stuff, you know. I, you know, that, you remember the disco? You remember that? They, you go out, and they'd be a disco ball. You go out there, you know, and everybody's, you know, and, and, and boy, we think we were so cool. And just, you know, and, and just, you know, and I know you're laughing at me over the disco. You were doing the funky chicken, man. You were, you know, you, you know, it was all, but you were giving it everything you got. Everybody say, everything you got. So here's my question. Do what? Do what? Come up here. I can't hear you. Come up here. Give me, give me some news. No, you say what? Go ahead, do it. Debbie has to have balance or it messes with her world. So now here's, here's, here's what I want to find out. I want to find out where our joy is. See, some of us, something happens to us. Our circumstances change. And all of a sudden, we've lost our joy. It's because we've based our joy in our happenings. That's not where joy comes from. That's where happiness comes from. Happiness is based on happenings. But if you base your joy on happenings, then the first time something goes wrong in your world, you're going to be without joy. But if you begin to find out where your joy is at, it won't matter what happens. It won't matter where you're at. It, you'll have a dance. Merlin, Joyce, would you come up here just a second? You, how old are you, Merle? Three days, I'll be 88. In three days, he'll be 88. In three, in three days, he'll be 88 years old. Joyce is his daughter. Joyce, I'm not going to ask how old you are. But oh, bless your heart, she told. But she, she's your your name literally means to joy, joy to bring joy. So here's the deal: is that what happens when all of a sudden you, you know we're in here and we hear worship music, right? And and we respond according to whether or not it's music we like. Ooh, I'm going deep, aren't I? 
See, some of us, if we, if, if we sing old, if we're singing traditional hymns, we'll get excited. I don't know where they get this contemporary stuff. I mean, I can't worship to that. I just, but I'm telling you, when your joy is based in the right thing, you can worship to any kind of music. We just, flip it. Don't forget to put the words up. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, you know, now, I know, I know, and I'm already ready for it. I'm going to get some flack over this. I'll have, I'll have somebody that may have been watching and go, I can't believe that guy let them dance in church. Well, you, you were dancing out in the world. What are you saying? I'm saying we, we've allowed our joy to be ascribed to a certain place. Don't you understand that joy is something that comes from deep inside of us? And when we recognize the source of our joy, no one can ever touch it again. Somebody say joy. joy. So David makes a statement and he says, For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. What's he telling us? He's saying, look, folks, you're going to go through some stuff in your life, and I get it. And weeping may endure for a night, but if you recognize what he's got for you, you're never going to allow the tears to stay in your eyes. You're going to be able to drive him and begin to dance before the Lord with all your might because joy comes in the morning. Everybody say joy. joy. Nehemiah finds himself sitting at the, as a cupbearer to a king, a foreign king. Israel had been carried into captivity and had been there for over 70 years. Why? Because they forgot their source of joy. They started looking at their stuff instead of focusing on the God that gave it all to them. And they got confused. And they began to equate all their stuff as joy and forgot that God was really and is really the source of our joy. But then God determined something. He said, look, I, I'm taking you into captivity, but I'm not going to leave you there. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so there's another man that comes to the throne his name is Cyrus. Somebody brings him a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah spoke this or wrote this about Cyrus 150 years before Cyrus ever sat on the throne. 150 years before anybody ever heard this guy's name, Isaiah pens this. And it said, Thus saith the Lord to my servant Cyrus. Whom I have called by name. Could you imagine somebody handing you a book and all of a sudden you open it up and it says, Thus says the God to my servant Rachel that I've called by name. Man, you'd be going, Oh, there's a lot of Rachels, but then all of a sudden he's got your last name, he's got your middle initial, he tells you your blood type. I mean, Cyrus knows it's him. And he tells him, he goes on to say in that prophetic word, all the accomplishments he'd made militarily, all the people that he wiped out. And he said, you've been able to do that because I've ordained you to do that. He said, now there's something else I want you to do. I want you to let my people go. <laughs> I want you to take my people and send them back to Jerusalem. Somebody shout, yes. yes. Do you understand that God never forgets where you're at? Your happenings are not the final chapter in your life. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so they go back to Jerusalem. They begin to rebuild the wall, the, the temple. They, they, they start in to rebuild, but they get discouraged. How many of you ever started something you were excited about and got discouraged halfway through it? You know, you, you, I mean, you were excited about that project, and then all of a sudden you hit a bump in the road. That's what happened. But this bump seemed to be a major one because everyone around them started trash-talking them. They started threatening them, and they quit the work of God. If the devil finds out he can intimidate you into silence and doing nothing, 
you'll live a life of intimidation. But the moment he discovers you're not going to be intimidated, Nehemiah sets at the foot of a king. Then he prays and he goes to the king. And the king looked at him and he said, why are you sad? And he said, well, man, why shouldn't I be sad? My, my homeland sets in ruins. And, and all of a sudden, God causes all this stuff to happen until now Nehemiah is on his way to his hometown by authority of the king. He's been giving the supplies he needs. He's been given everything he needs to complete this task. And they do it, man, 50 days. They got a wall up. All the people that have been trash talking to Nehemiah said, you can say what you want to. I ain't listening. He didn't say it quite like that. But. And now they're at a point where they're ready to have a party. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, have a party. Let's have a party. Did you ever go to a party and see a party pooper there? You know what I'm talking about? You ever? I don't mean that bad. I'm just saying, you ever go to a party and seen someone there that acted like they just weren't? You know, they were depressed and dejected, and, you know, and that's not what a party's for. And, and so they all get to this party, and then they bring out the Word of God and begin to read the Word of God, and the people hear it, and they realize how far they have strayed from it, and they all begin to weep. And Nehemiah jumps up, and he said, hold it. Hang on. Now listen to what he says. This is in Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. Everybody say, dry your eyes. He said, listen, guys. He said, God knows we were far away. We, we spent the last 70 years in captivity. He said, this is a new day. You need, you need to wipe your eyes and don't cry over the past anymore, but understand that he's got something prepared for us. And he said, man, you need to get some fat. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, fat is where it's at. Get, are there any cooks in the, in the house today? What does fat do for meat? It brings it flavor. That's why you always pay more for a ribeye than you do for a flank because the ribeye is infused with fat that's what makes it so expensive it makes it when i'm telling you i'm worth a lot <laughs> well you, when when all of a sudden you get in this is what god is saying to them look this is a day not to weep. This is a day that you need to rejoice in what he's done for you. He said, don't, don't be crying. Don't be, sor don't, don't be sorrowful. And then he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Where is our joy? Friend, if we feel like we've been beat down and we're depressed and we're despondent and we're hopeless and we're helpless, it's because we have misplaced our joy. We've put our joy on our happenings, on our circumstance. But when all of a sudden we realize that our joy is in the Lord, that's when we get strong. Do you know God has never had a bad day? God has never woke up, looked at your problems, and went, oh my gosh. Michael came up to him. What's wrong, God? <laughs> Doris, I, she's got so much stuff going on in her life. I don't know how I'm going to help her. It's never happened. It's never happened. But what has happened is the devil, that, that God has looked at the devil and said, Have you considered my servant Job? That there's none like him. He loves me and he holds on to me. No matter what, well, yeah, let me touch him. Job goes through everything he goes through without giving up on God. There's a, there's a, there is a huge difference between having questions that you don't have answers to, between trying to figure out why you're where you're at, 
and throwing up your hands and walking away from God. And the devil just lets, I mean, Job lets the devil know up front. And he makes a statement. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What's he saying? I've got my mind made up. I, I may not understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I trust God. I believe in God. I'm not letting go of God. And you know what happened? At the end of that, God said, hey, weeping, well, he didn't say it, but the scripture said, weeping may endure for a night, but Job, get ready. Your morning's getting ready to come. Job had more than he'd ever had in his entire life, and God blessed him beyond measure, and he became a trophy in God's kingdom. I wonder how many times, we don't, we don't have a record of this, but we do know that the devil had come before God before that, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil threw off on him. <laughs> I would have liked to have been able to hear the conversation after that. <laughs> hey, hey, devil, come here. <laughs> Satan, come up here. I want to show you something. <laughs> See that? See, Job, you remember you said you'd make him curse me to my face. He wouldn't turn. He wouldn't walk away. He wouldn't give in. Even though he went through horrendous things, he held on to his relationship with me and what would not give up. What have you got to say now? And I can't, you know, I love it because the scripture says that everything works together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. It didn't say that everything that happens is good, it said that he works it for good. How many of you have ever been through some bad stuff? You ever been through some bad stuff? Michael, come up here a second. Let me borrow you. So, so you ever been, now this is no reflection on Michael. I just need to illustrate this. So you, you ever been through some bad stuff? The devil makes bad things happen. He'll try and trip you up. And every time he tries to trip you up, and it, it's not that it's good, but God shows up. And the devil stand back there and start laughing. They'll stand back there laughing. And you know, I can't look at him now. Look at him. And God shows up and he goes, come here. Grabs him by the back of the neck. I'm not going to hurt him. <laughs> she said, my wife goes, don't hurt him. I'm going. So I, I brings him, grabs him by the back, nap of the neck, and said, you tried to destroy them with this. Watch what I'm getting ready to do. I'm telling you that God has a way of turning your midnight into a new day sun. Thank you, Michael. Give him a big hand. Everybody say joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. David says in Psalm 16 and 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy to your right hand or pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Have you ever been worshiping God to a point, and it's just, you just answer this. You don't need to wave your hands. But do you ever worship God to such a point where all of a sudden it became so intense and it became so real to you that the next thing you know you find yourself just raising your hands and beginning to laugh? God, I love you. You, you are so good. You, you, you get overwhelmed with what he's done for you. And, and, and you, can't, you can't even begin to try and describe it. And you can't find words for it. And, and you just lose yourself in that moment and begin to, in his presence, his fullness of joy. It's in his presence where all of a sudden I, I, I find joy bubbling over and out of me. Maybe that's why David said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. I'm in your presence. He said, you will show me the path of life. Any of you ever need somebody to show you something before? Show you how or show you the way? How many of you ever took off and got lost because you thought you knew the way? You wouldn't ask Siri. You just, no, I know how to get there. And then all of a sudden, you, you need to stop and ask directions. I know where I'm going. And we just keep getting more off track. And finally, we recognize, I need someone to show me the way. The truth is, we all need someone to show us the way. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did. 400 years of silence, 400 years of looking for a promise. Nothing had come. People wondered, is it ever going to happen? And then God shows them the way. In Luke 2, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to you, or which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. God sent an angel to show them the way. The angel goes on to tell him, you're going to find a child in a manger wrapped in swaddling. He's showing them the way. Guess who he didn't show the way to? The angel didn't show up at the palace where Herod's at because Herod would not rejoice at the news. Herod didn't want another king. Herod wanted to rule. When Herod heard about this king, he tried to destroy him. There are some folks that are not going to get excited about you giving your life to God. There are some people that, aren't, that, that do not want to make the journey, and they don't want you to make it either. But you've got to make up your mind, I'm going to make this journey whether I've got to make it alone or not. I'm not going to let anybody keep me from it. They showed them the way. And when the, when, when the shepherds got there, it's at Luke 2 and 17, it said, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. You ever get some good news you just had to share? <laughs> what, what, did, what did Nehemiah instruct them? He said, You eat the fat, you drink the sweet, and you take it to those for whom nothing has been prepared. When the shepherds saw him, they immediately ran out to spread the good news. Don't you think we ought to be doing the same? So, turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, tell somebody. Matter of fact, tell everybody. <laughs> just, just, just tell everybody. You say, well, wait a minute, man. I mean, they, they saw him, pastor. I haven't seen him. Well, you know, the Scripture talks to us, too. In 1 Peter 1 and 8, it said, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. How many of you trust him? Never saw him, but you trust him. I, he, he's never shown up at my door and rung my doorbell and said, My name is Jesus. I'd like to talk to you for a moment. I've had many conversations with him in my heart, but I've never had him show up in the flesh and sit down and break bread with me and, and, and you know, and, and unfold all of his love for me. I've never, I've never felt earthly, his earthly arms around me. But I trust him, I love him, and I trust him. And because of that, it went on to say, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The King James Version said, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. What was he saying? He's saying, there are not words to describe what you feel. There aren't words that can be put into human language that can pick up on what joy you have from knowing that he's real and he lives in your heart everybody say rejoice now we saw we, we saw Merle and his daughter Joyce rejoice it's just well what's rejoice mean look rejoice in that passage in Greek means this Y'all just looking at me like I'm out of my mind. It literally means, in that passage, it means to leap for joy. Everybody say it with me. Leap for joy. It didn't say leap when joy gets there. It said leap for joy. I want everybody to stand with me right now. Are you feeling a little depressed? A little down and out? A little despondent? There's candy here in the floor. 
Have you, have you felt like you're not your best? What are you getting ready to prescribe Geritol to me? No, no. Have you, I'm telling you that there is a recipe. Where is our joy? Our joy is in the Lord. And that brings us strength. But what about when it's not there, when I'm not feeling it? Then you have to leap for it. He didn't say leap when it got there. It's, see, anybody can leap. Come up here a minute. Lisa, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was, I was getting ready to reach in my pocket and pull out some keys and give you a car, but I've seemed to misplace my keys. Sorry about that. Isn't that, isn't that what, you know, we get, we get our hopes built up, and then we get disappointed. And, you know, where are you going? Where are you going? Come back up here. Come back up. Uh, I'm still not giving you a car. <laughs> what, what do you, I'm saying we get our hopes in something, we get them all built up, and we, we, we don't respond. How many of you have ever watched Price is Right? What happens when you get your name called? You yell and you scream and you run up. You didn't do that when I called your name. Oh, well. Oh, well. What am I, chop liver? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is we've got to get a different mindset. We've got to begin to think about the fact that God is the source of our joy. And when we get that, and you say, well, man, I came in feeling depressed today. But what if all of a sudden, you know, if, if, if Lisa had come up here and grabbed my hand and started doing this? Still didn't affect her, did it? <laughs> but it's helping me. <laughs> What are you saying? I'm saying you've got to make up your mind no matter where. Thank you, Lisa. Give her a big hand. No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life, you are not going to give up your source of joy. You are going to rejoice in the Lord because he is your strength. Grab somebody by the hand right now. Say this with me. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about how he set me free. I get, is there a song like that? Can you give me a little bit of it? Yeah, I mean, sing it. conducting an experiment <laughs> you know we started singing about joy and the next thing I saw was I saw some of you doing this I saw some of you doing this Rachel got with it there for a minute then I looked over here and I see Louise and her daughter going around in circles man they they getting joy see our joy is built on God but it's up to us to go after it. It's up to us to go after God. God is not going to come down, grab you, hold you down, and tickle you until you get joy. God is, God is saying, look, right here, dry your eyes, quit your weeping, and understand that I am the source and the strength of your joy, and I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you. Now, I'm not, I, I, we're, getting, we're getting ready to do this one more time. I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up, I promise. But here, here's the deal. And I'm just going to be very transparent. I wasn't raised in church. So for me to make a commitment to God, it was going to have to be real. I went in some churches, and man, and it's no reflection. I'm not saying any names, 
But I went into churches, some churches and I was more depressed when I came out of that church than I was when I went into it. And I'm thinking, really? This is what I got up that early for? My grandfather, and, and I'm not, again, I'm no, my grandfather used to turn on music when I was a kid. And it was called the Old Time Gospel Hour. Man, I heard an organ kick on. Gabe, man, scared me. It didn't make me rejoice. It made me want to hide under the covers. There is a reality to God. Forget about all the plastic of religion. The, yeah, I, I put my pants on the same way everybody else does. I, I struggle with things the same way everyone else does. But I'm telling you that I gave my life to him several years ago. And there have been, there have been several instances where the devil tried to come after my joy. And then it dawned on me. It dawned on me what was going on. See, he wasn't attacking my finances for the sake of my finances. He was going after my finances hoping to get my joy. He was going after my family hoping to get my joy. He was trying to find what trigger he could pull to, that would affect my joy. And the day I made up my mind, you can't have my joy, it didn't matter anymore what triggers he was pulling. I, I've got my foot on the rock and my mind made up. I don't know if this is proper, but I've never been accused of being proper. So this is what I want to do at the end of this service today. I want you to, if, now look, if you need prayer, we're going to pray for you. And so I know after today's service, you probably think I need prayer. So pray for me. But this is what I'm saying, is that at the end of this today, as they sang this song, and the praise team, come on out. They're in the corner like they're afraid I'm going to do something to them. So, so here, here's what, I, I want them to sing this song again, and I want us to take 60 seconds. We're going to be dismissed with this song, but before you leave, take 60 seconds and go after joy. So, well, how do I get it? Well, according to Scripture, I didn't make this up. According to Scripture, you leap for it. You leap for joy. You don't, you don't wait for it to show up and then start leaping. Anybody can do that. That's not faith. You leap for it. I'm not telling you you have to leap. I'm just saying go after it. Just so for the next 60 seconds, however you feel comfortable, I just want you to begin to worship God and thank Him for everything that He's done for you. And this is what I'm asking you to pray. Pray that God will give you an insight and wisdom that the devil is never able to, go, to rob you of your joy. Amen. Because I can tell you up front, I can tell you up front, there's not a devil in hell big enough, rough enough, and got stuff enough to be able to take you out of the hand of God. God had laid hold of you. He said, Jesus made the, save, or the, the, the statement, and he said, these that you've given me, I have not lost one. You don't have to worry. He's got you. Let's just reach up and get a hold of him, all right? All right, guys, you ready? Let's do it. 60 seconds.
I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you go with this. There's a truth. There, there's a story about a woman that was in a church, and the pastor had a guest coming. And this woman, every time they she, they had testimony service, she'd get up and clear her pew out. I, I mean, she'd get happy, and she she she'd get joy, and she'd start dancing around in her pew. Well, this guest was coming, and so he the pastor met with her and said, "Now look." says we got a guest coming he doesn't understand all this so you know just you know we need to tone it down just settle down a little bit and, and she said well I, I'll try pastor but I ain't making you any promises so the service went on they had song service got through it and you know he thought you know what I'm just not even gonna do testimony service I'm not gonna run a risk and he he got up and started to go to his message and all of a sudden lady out in the crowd stood up and said pastor I know I said, I, I promise. I tried to promise, but I just can't help myself. And she started to testify about the goodness of God. And all of a sudden, she started dancing and cleaning out pew. But I want you to hear me. And she was explaining. He said, Pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I came from nothing. I had nothing. I was depressed. I was despondent. I was in despair when he came into my life and he changed me. And he said, I don't ever want to forget that. I don't ever want to walk away from that. I want to let him know every day that I live uh, that I still get joy uh, when I think about what he's done for me. Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you. Sing your way out of here today. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. Joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about. 